This is episode 416 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, X Marks the Spot, Search Codes That Matter to Preppers. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Everyone, this episode is sponsored by my ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. Remember, when you purchase the ebook, you also get access to the Prepper Website forums. We also have it in audiobook format. If you'd like to find out some more information, click the link in the show notes or come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. All right, so this article is a little bit different than uh, maybe some that we've done in the past, but I thought this was a very interesting one. So do you remember maybe scenes from Katrina when they were going through neighborhoods, or maybe you can remember scenes from some other disasters where uh, search and rescue crews have uh, written some kind of, you know, uh, they have some kind of graphic that they use spray paint with or something like that on the side of homes. Well, those are search and rescue codes and, you know, th- those mean something to search and rescue people. And those can very well mean something to us as well and give us information. And so this article is about that. Now, there's a lot of graphics here. There's also, I believe, like a printable. It doesn't say it's a printable, but uh, there is something that you can kind of right-click on, print it off on your printer, and it will give you a lot of the, the keys to the search and rescue terms and, and being able to understand how they you know set up these codes and what they mean. So let's go ahead and jump into it. I'm going to try my best to describe some of these uh, codes and uh, the graphics and how they would work. And so uh, you will have to bear with me. But this this is probably one of those that you'll want to go check out because uh, you'll be able to see the graphics and they'll definitely they'll mean something to you as you see them. So let's go ahead and start. This is coming to us from theprepperjournal.com. And again, the title of the article is X Marks the Spot, Search Codes That Matter to Preppers. Search and rescue codes largely entered mainstream American awareness in the U.S. courtesy of massive hurricane disaster areas. We saw them before Katrina, although she brought them into American homes and still bears their scars. And sadly, we've seen them since and will likely continue to see them. For preppers... There are two main reasons to understand the most common codes used to mark structures by teams in a disaster area. One, there is the counter-intel aspect. They can be used as camouflage, misleading others about our home or the entire area around our home, which can keep others from even getting close to us if applied properly. There's an asterisk here. Be able to cover or remove markings, especially if applied to a whole neighborhood in case a real disaster occurs and somebody is able to respond. If it looks like another unit checked the area or has done follow-up recently, they may assume snafu is in full effect and hop the block road to work in an area that hasn't been covered yet. 
So I don't really understand what snafu means, but it's all capitalized. So it's, it must be an abbreviation for something. So the second reason is we can use them to gather intel should we find ourselves moving through a disaster area. Let's hit that moving through aspect because there's usually a lot of resistance there. There are all kinds of reasons we might be out and about after a disaster. Whether that disaster is what drove us out or we wander into the aftermath of a disaster while passing through. Straight from the news, air, surface, and groundwater contaminated by chemical spills from trains, factories, mines, and ships. House fires, wildfires, and droughts, which then exasperate rain into floods and mudslides. Upstream dams and levees failing, natural disasters kicking off fires, releasing previously contained toxins, cracking wells, tumbling houses, and wrecking cellars. That's not the what-if of a paranoid prepper. That's straight from the news. So there's a couple of uh, news items there that they're uh, pointing to and graphics that you can check out. Fires occur and spread daily. It's why you have a fire department. Annually, monthly, weekly, we get things beyond our individual control, already causing people to relocate or find alternate resources, even with all our technical advances in our nice modernized nations. That's not the raw or without rule of law, pandemic, human contact concerns, or, or the cooling tanks and nuclear plants steaming off over days or two and 20 years. It's not droughts lowering water tables, animal plagues, or woods too emptied of trees or animal plant foods to sustain another winter and spring. It's not somebody traveling even just 30 to 100 miles from home before a disaster strikes. Using just things that happen pretty regularly, portions of the population are forced from homes that have seemed like perfect locations. There are all kinds of reasons to include a plan B or a C, D, and E that involves traveling and not always in nice empty backcountry. Being able to recognize what we're seeing from either the safe resource site or avoidance perspectives while passing through is huge. We can also plan to learn the CDC and hazmat codes that may become applicable even in our local neighborhoods. Recognizing where we don't want to be is one of the biggies for gaining International Search and Rescue Group, or I-N-S-A-R-A-G, literacy. So guys, uh, this is used a couple of times. Uh, I'm going to just say INSERAG, and hopefully that uh, will, you'll understand that that means International Search and Rescue Group. All right, so lots of bodies, no marks for reclaiming, reclaiming them. Disease is hella prevalent, pretty much guaranteed. I would rather not pick through a building that was already so questionable, a search team opted not to press a full search. If it was already overrun by rats, then, unless I'm desperate enough to eat them, I'd really rather hop well out of that neighborhood before we find a bed down pocket. We can learn lots of things when we know how to read the Inserag. The dates and updates alone can give us information about the area, human climate, and resource potentials. So there's uh, one graphic here, and I believe they, uh, the UN or NATO uses this one. And so it is a circle. It has a line through it horizontally, and then there's a rectangle in the mi middle. 
And so I'm going to start from the top and I'm going to go clockwise around. So at 12 o'clock, it says hazard information. At 3 o'clock, it says the number of deceased removed. At 6 o'clock, it says persons missing locations of other victims. At 9 o'clock, it says number of live victims removed. And in the middle, uh, there's like I said, there, there's that rectangle, and it is divided by that line that goes through the circle. It says go or no go, team ID, and then on the bottom, it says time, date, uh, or time, date of start. All right, so let's talk about disaster search codes. In the U.S., we mostly use and see FEMA X codes, a circle divided into quadrants. Other NATO nations use a circled box. So that's the one that I was just describing there for you. All right, there's also a separate box that's part of a three-tier structural integrity rating. Take that with a grain of salt because it's, quote-unquote, significant hazards. Lesser risks that were no big deal in a mostly functional world can deliver a world of hurt if we're already working with limited resources. It's also being assessed by teachers and lawyers, random National Guard types, clerks, landscapers, and cops, as opposed to firefighters who develop a good eye for these things or qualified civil engineers. And so that one that they're talking about here is just basically, this one says, or this one is, it has an orange box, but it just might be just a regular box uh, if you saw it on the side of a house. And uh, so an empty box means be easy. There's no significant hazards. A box with a line through it, right? So running from the top right corner to the bottom left-hand corner, it says, means be careful, okay, but there's some hazards. And then a box with an X in it means no go, high risk hazard, do not enter until mitigation has occurred. And then again, there's a lot of pictures here that you can see, um, you know, there's, you know, examples of this on the side of a wall, real world examples. All right, so those X's that denote a big issue are worth paying attention to, period. Something stuck out at them to be marked. If that box is empty or just a slash, again, it was probably not cleared by professional housing inspectors. Be super duper leery anyway. There's also a victim location code based around a V. It's sometimes used on its own, but it's most commonly seen as an add-on. All three contribute to streamlining both initial searches and follow-ups or retrieval operations. They convey basic information like the date, status of the structure, and victim information and risks. So that V that they were talking about, uh, inside the V, there is, and I don't know, like for, for instance, this one says CA6. So the 6 stands for the distance or 6 feet uh, distance to the victim if that's required, right? Um, and then so a number two at the very bottom of the V or, or the point of the V means that, and that's if there's more than one, that there's confirmed live victims. If there's a number there and then there's an X through the whole circle, then that means that they removed victims. And then if there is a line through the V, almost like a, an upside down A, capital A, then that means that they were confirmed deceased. So you can see where all this information would be, you know, important because if you, um, you know, you saw this uh, upside down A, capital A with 
two on there, you know that there's going to be two dead bodies in in that um, in that house or in that structure if they haven't been removed already. All right, so continuing on. There's some personal twist added sometimes, some specific unit tweaks and shorthand, and in some cases, simplification and deviations that develop in really widespread disasters. The variations can help us if we're using them along with noise and light discipline to discourage incursions during excessive loss of rule of law or by looters and survivors after a disaster. Anyone familiar enough with the codes to accurately read what we're saying will expect to see some of those deviations. However, if you put information in the wrong place or use some random combination, you may actually attract attention. X codes are most common in the U.S., but it's worth learning what you're seeing in NATO in SURAG boxes and reading, writing, victims, B codes too. And so we'll go into the uh, FEMA X codes here. The top goes the date and rarely the time. Left goes the unit that's searching and sometimes the time. Hazards, actions we took, and special notes go to the right. Everybody knows a flood means human waste, wood rotting as it goes, and mold developing. But if the floor is crumbling already, that gets put there with hamster removed and GL or gas or fuel leak visualized or smelled. That's also where a no-go or break-off or exterior-only survey is noted, with or without a secondary structure box. And so they're talking about the right-hand side of the X where all that kind of information would be located where you could get that from. In the bottom, a zero or empty quadrant means nobody's home, dead, or alive. Victim counts are listed live to dead, top and bottom, or left to right, separated by a dash, dot, or slash. FEMA now advises to mark search results on windows and doors and use their big stickers when available, instead of wrecking house paint and siding. If local teams are doing it and you're aiming for camo, mimic them. Here's another asterisk. If you're marking for an animal rescue that's coming through after you, make it big and bold and note if it's going to require saws and jacks to get them out. So the top three super duper big time warning signs. All right. So the first one is this. There's that no-go structural safety box with the X. If professionals with health care did not want anybody else to poke inside, that's a real good one to skip. Second, we want to be hyper vigilant of the word dogs somewhere. Now, I like dogs. I like my dogs a lot. But my dogs make me very, very aware of other dogs, especially my current girls, because they, lab terrier mixes, never strays, never starved, never abused, with no training for it, will separate, hug, verges, all nonchalant, easygoing postures, and then launch for takedown from multiple anger angles like a pack of lionesses. So I watch for whether dogs are happy to see people, period, or happy and excited about chasing something that's not as athletic as a squirrel. And I watch my flank for others. So physical searches in the interior. And then there's a search assessment here that they're going to talk about. 
And again, like I said, there's this printable, uh, at least I believe it's it's a printable where you can fold it over and maybe smaller than a postcard, five by three, something like that. If you wanted to print that out in color and maybe you know put it in a, in a bug out bag or something like that. So the third reason or this third super duper you know thing that you want to pay attention to is we want to be very leery if we ever see a single diagonal slash with or without a date. See, we're trained to mark a slash and unit by unit the date time before we enter a building or floor or area or apartment in a large building. If we abandon a search before we finish, we are supposed to paint a dot or a circle in the middle of it. Completed searches get the X, even if it did not enter exterior survey only hazards. So even if we're leaving in a hurry, we're supposed to put that dot on there. That way, if we don't make our rally or contact, people know right exactly where we are. No question of did we get snatched off the porch, have an accident after leaving the building, or which building, floor, or compartment we bounce to next. If we drew that single slash and there is no other markings, plus or minus the date, we are still within that threshold. So that's important to remember. If you see a slash and nothing else, either someone is in that structure looking uh, at that structure and you know coming up with some kind of assessment, or there's something fishy going on. So this applies to preppers as, oh my, my, because if there's only that slash, we have two conditions. One, there's still a team inside, maybe good if we're seeking other intelligent life, maybe cause to fade away if we want to go unnoticed. And two, the searchers went in and either did not come out or something so bad happened inside that they unaid the AO in such a rush they didn't even take time for another slash and an Xbox. So that I'm assuming that unaid is that upside down V where there's going to be victims inside. And so uh, that's the other thing is if there's a slash and something, you know, there's nothing else. When I say fishy, there's something fishy going on. Either someone's trying to do some kind of signs and they don't know what they're doing. Oh, or something was so bad that they had to, they left in such a hurry that they weren't comfortable in just putting a, a dot in the center of that slash, right? So that suggests right up there with dogs, bodies, and compromised structures that we do not want to go through that door. Another asterisk. If you're aiming for camo in a raw condition, don't use that one. SAR, first responders, and military will go in after each other almost as fast as if we've heard a crying baby. So the suggestion is not to try to do that at all because if a first responder sees a slash and nothing else, they're going to go in or they're going to try to figure out what's going on. And so if you're trying to do that, you're using that to camouflage your home you know you need to you need to go a little bit further than that now shorthand personalization that develops in widespread disasters means some never even drew a slash but if we see just that slash that is a warning sign so applying insurag markings insurag can provide intel on local conditions just by the quickie versions that suggest more need than available cert or sar teams could handle and give us the number and types of teams working in the area we can also use clues from how they are marked 
For instance, any time markings seem really high up on a building or have serious up-down wavering of lines, circles undulating like scalloped patty pan squash or oval tornado spirals instead of circles, it indicates a flood high enough that it was easier or safer to stand in a boat to paint than be in the water. Height and dates of marks can tell us if water was rising or receding. So there is a picture of a guy standing on a boat doing the, uh, I guess he's about to do the, the signs, whatever he's going to do on the roof, because that's so that's how high the water is. The water level is, is he's standing up and he's going to be able to write on the roof. That's crazy. On the counter intel front, we can use things like follow-ups and some of those super-duper big-time warning signs to disseminate false information, projecting that fires gutted flats or stores or there's heavy mold and decaying bodies, etc. They're worth being familiar enough with to plan our actions to mitigate likely risk. Choose avoidance of an area or pick locations that may still have useful resources with the safest access even if we're not planning a bug out ever. Too much goes wrong even right now to steadfastly insist we'll never be away from home and traveling or ever be forced out of our homes. All right, guys. So like I said, I think this is some good information to, to know and have an idea about. Um, you know, if we ever were in a situation like that and you were going through a disaster, a disaster area, it could you know, prevent you from uh, hurting yourself or could prevent you from going into a structure that is not sound and causing you to, you know, to uh, really get hurt in, in that. You know, thinking about this article and uh, this information kind of brought up some of those things that I, I know that I've had discussions about in the past is if you really want, wanted to keep people out, let's just say there was a situation like a pandemic, right? you could easily put up, have those signs that have toxic warnings or whatever, and put those up around your house to let people know that, hey, this is, you know, this is a a place maybe that there was, the flu was found here, or there was some big toxic spill here or whatever, getting some yellow caution tape, uh, you know, and putting it, you know, on your door or maybe around your your porch or something like that. To kind of just give people that idea is like, hey, if there is 10 homes that I can go into and this one has a toxic or some kind of warning sign on it, I'm going to skip this one and go to the other one just in case there really is some some weird stuff in there, just in case I really could get sick, right? You would have to be very, very desperate to go into a home that has toxic signs or, you know, warning signs or or whatever it might be. Now, of course, if it's completely out of place, yeah, so you you might uh, draw more attention, but I don't know. If you are living in a community with a bunch of uh, you know, a bunch of preppers or a bunch of people who would see things your way, maybe investing in some of those cheap signs. I think you can get them off of Amazon or you wherever, you know, let's just say one day you hit, you hit it right and you get a bunch of them on clearance or whatever, you know, or let's just say you make them up. You have the ability to make them up. 
then you can you know share those out with uh, with your neighbors if the time ever came where you were trying to send a message to other people that hey if you come into our home it's dangerous for you right and so you just you know, kind of think about that it's the same same thing that an alarm sign would do to uh, somebody who wanted to break into your home if they are staking out your house and they see in the front one of those alarm signs like hey this is powered by or protected by whatever alarm company they might say you know what it's not even worth it i'm not going to worry about an alarm i'm going to go to another home that doesn't have an alarm right and so just not even have to deal with that sound and drawing attention to myself i can get in and get out and and not have to worry about an alarm going off so that's kind of the idea behind that but uh, a lot of great information here. Have you ever thought that you might need this kind of information uh, if you ever were in a disaster or if there ever was a situation where, you know, the poop had hit the fan and you were going through an area that was, you know, full of disasters and homes that were completely wrecked and you would know uh, now a little bit more uh, of this information. So you can look at that X and you can get a good idea now of, you know, hey, what would I be expecting inside of that home? So, guys, that is over at theprepperjournal.com. Like I said, there's a lot of pictures here, possibly even a printable that you can print out and, uh, you know, just cut down to size. It's like three by five and fold over double sided and then put that in, you know, a bag. So you have that information if this is something that you, you want to keep. But uh, a lot of good stuff over here. I'm going to link to it in the show notes, like always, so you can come visit it in your leisure time. All right, well, everyone, that is it for episode 416. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.